If you've got your Bibles, turn uh, to Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to be looking at, um, we'll be kicking off in verse verse 20. I, I, I very much enjoyed last weekend. And uh, just to have six meetings back to back, although I was extremely tired by the time we got to 9.30 on Sunday night, um, it was just great to build momentum in encountering God. And uh, I absolutely loved it. And uh, I, hope, I hope very much that you also enjoyed it. Whether you got to one meeting or, or all six meetings, that you enjoyed encountering him, meeting with him, and that you haven't just put it as a highlight for 2015, but in a sense it's opened a door for you to keep pursuing him and keep going after him because he's got more for you in your walk with God. And those moments in our lives can truly be life-changing. They, they can absolutely transform and change your walk with God. They, they're not just necessarily a, a bit of a watering hole, a bit of a refresher, then it's all back to where it was before, but it's a real opportunity for an impact to have on your life that then you work out of from then on. Now, if you feel that wasn't the case for you, don't worry. Because the Father is as much here today as he was last week. Julian and Katya are ministering in Milton Keynes this weekend. But you know what? The Father's still here. He hasn't, he hasn't moved on. And it's an interesting fact, isn't it, that in any congregation like this, there can be some people that meet with God and there can be others that don't. So you could be a person this morning that really encounters God, but you know what? You could be sat next to a person who doesn't. And I think in many ways, one of the, the, the differences is whether your heart is open to him, whether you're hungry to receive, whether you have prepared yourself for everything that God has for you. And I want to pray. I mean, the Bible's full of it, isn't it? The Bible says about the good soil. Prepared hearts to receive and meet with him. And I, I really pray that every single Sunday, as you gather with the church, you make it your amb- ambition, I'm going to give God my best in worship. Now, we know that worship isn't just related to once a week on a Sunday, but it is a high point. It's whether you're, when you're gathering with the saints from right the way across, from Bexhill on one side to Rye on the other, even Deep Dark Battle and Ashburn, and we have a few coming from there as well. But it's an opportunity where we all gather together to lift high the name of Jesus Christ. And I don't encourage you, prepare your hearts. I know that if I prepare my heart on Saturday night, Sunday mornings are totally different. And that's not a rule, it's just a good discipline I've got myself into. I want to encourage you to do the same. Your highest call is to give your heart to Jesus Christ in worship. It's to exalt his name. Now, I'm doing the second preach in Strengthen Yourself in God. There's two more to come after that. And the reason we're doing it is because God wants you to walk in the freedom of everything he has for you. He doesn't want you to miss out. He wants you healed up and fruitful. He's provided you with incredible resources and promises to access 
and to use to see his name glorified and to see his kingdom advanced. But we have to access them. We have to unlock that potential. And in a sense, that's what this preach series is all about. And to back it up um, and to support it, we've also got follow-up discipleship groups that meet on Tuesday lunchtime at 12.30. So this Tuesday at 12.30, we're going to be meeting in the Oak Room, and we're just going to be unpacking what was preached. If you can't make that, we're also meeting Friday morning, 6 a.m. Well done to all of you who made it last time round. And as last time, I promise I'll be there with loads of black coffee. And God will be there too. So if you want to apply this into your life and you're not doing it in any other way, those are two opportunities for you to do that. This morning we're going to be looking at believing. Let's read the passage. Proverbs chapter 4, kick it off at verse 20. And as I read this, this is Solomon talking to his son. I want you to imagine that it isn't Solomon talking to his son. I want you to imagine that it's the father talking to you. Okay? So as I read it out, this isn't an interesting scripture. This is God the Father on January the 18th at quarter past 11 talking to you. My son or daughter, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance. For from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward and your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet, then all your ways will be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. This morning we're going to be looking at where believing lives. We're going to look at healthy believing and we're going to look at broken believing. I'll just pray and uh, then we'll dive in. Father, we, we love you and we love what you do. We love to worship you, Jesus Christ. What a saviour. <laughs> you gave everything for us. I just pray, Holy Spirit, would you, um, I know you're here, but I pray in a very special way this morning, you'd walk up and down the rows and the aisles, that we would very much sense your presence as your word is proclaimed. I ask you, Lord, at appropriate moments, you'd take words that are said and plant them deep in our hearts, that our hearts would be good soil and the seed would be good seed, and I pray it would be fruitful. I ask you we'd be in for a real treat this morning. Please help me to uh, cover what you want me to cover. I pray it'd be powerful and effective to see lives transformed. We are sat together in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. 
keep your heart. Church, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. You may be more familiar with the New International Version, where it says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. The message says this, keep vigilant watch over your heart, that's where life starts. So if you want to know the outcome of your life, if you want to know how it will end, have a look at what's going on in your heart at the moment. Now when the writer here is talking about heart, he's not talking about that fleshly organ that's pumping blood around your body at the moment. When the writer or when the Bible uses the word heart, it's, it's talking about the place where your mind, imagination, will, desires, emotions, affections, memory and conscience live. It's, it's that place where all of these things come together and the writer says you need to guard it. God doesn't say that he will guard it. God doesn't say that we're to pray that he will guard it for us. He says, who's to guard it? Who's to guard your heart? Because that is where life begins. That is where life flows from. That is where you connect with God. It's in your heart. That is where faith grows. That's where believing lives. It's in your heart. It's in the very seat of who you are. That's why we need to guard it. We need to keep watch, vigilant watch. Jesus said it in a different way. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognised by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings the good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings the evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Life flows from the heart. And so if we're not quite certain, if you're saying, well, I don't really know what is in my heart, just spend a moment thinking what words come out of your mouth. So is it encouragement? And this isn't to get you down, it's just a bit of a litmus test. What's going on in my heart is encouragement, is it honour, is it kindness, is it patience? That's a, that's a good test for what's going on in your heart. I won't get you to talk to your neighbour. I won't ask husbands to ask wives what's in my heart or anything like that. That can be between you guys um, on your own. What's happening on the inside flows to the outside. It's how it's going. Do... San says he knows when I'm stressed. Santino does. Chloe knows when I'm stressed. That's who I'm married to, not Santino. <laughs> You're all pleased to know that, particularly Santino. But, but you know what's going on on the inside often with people because it comes out on the outside. Sometimes we wear it on our face. Sometimes it'll come out in the tone of our voice. Sometimes it comes out in our actions. But it's just the way God's designed us, what is going on in the inside flows to the outside. It's, it's obvious. What the writer is saying is true. What's going on in our hearts will be where our feet tread. 
in future hours, future days, future weeks, future years. And we never fulfill our potential in God if we don't learn, if we do not learn how to minister to our hearts. If we do not learn how to guard our hearts and to feed our hearts with good stuff, we will never fulfill our potential in God. Bill Johnson says this, the heart and what we do in stewarding that one place determines the outcome of our lives. The heart and what we do in stewarding that one place determines the outcome of our lives. Strengthening myself in God is all about guarding my heart. Now, I want to help you this morning to guard your heart. In many ways, what I share over the next, what's rest of this session and the next two sessions is all about guarding our hearts. It's all about putting the right stuff in, in order that what flows out is to the glory of God. But I'm going to give you two things. Now, the first one, I make no excuse. I covered it two weeks ago. But I'm, only, I'm just judging you by my standards, and I know that I never pick anything up first time round. And actually, if I'm honest, probably not second time or third time either. So it does normally take a while for these things to settle in. So I'm going to attach it, in a, I'm going to go for it in a slightly different way. But it's the same point that I made last week. Healthy believing. How do we cultivate healthy believing? Well, it says it at the start of that Proverbs passage. This is from the message. I love the way this is put. Although I don't like the first two words, but... He says, it says they're dear friend, but I don't think it should be dear friend. It should be son or daughter. I think it's, is it a PowerPoint? Yeah. Listen well to my words. Tune your ears to my voice. Keep my message in plain view at all times. Concentrate. Those who discover these words live, really live. Body and soul, they are bursting with health. If we want to guard our hearts, we need to know what God says about us. That's what the writer's talking about. What's contained in this book. If we want healthy believing, we need to put the right stuff in. We need our minds and hearts filled with who God is and what God says about us. Now, I know I touched on it two weeks ago. But we need to hear it again and again. Actually, we don't really need to hear it again and again. We need to do it. What is shaping your life? Tradition? Family? Tragedy? Illness? Or is it what God says about you? When you're defining your life, what is the first thing that springs to mind? Is it the wonderful, glorious truth contained in the Bible, contained in the Word of God, that talks about Phil and Joe and how precious they are to God? What happened two weeks ago with Julian Adams was what? We recalibrated to the truth contained in the Bible. We had a truth encounter. It changed many of us. We suddenly saw God in a whole new way. We knew he was father, but suddenly we knew he was father. That's what happened to Natalie. 
If you asked Natalie two weeks ago, did she know God was her father? She said, of course I know God's my father. But suddenly she had a truth encounter that changed how she saw God. And suddenly it's not her past. It's not her history that is defining her anymore. It's what God has said. Now it's an ongoing battle and she can't be passive in it. But can you see? She's, her testimony, she's different, the same with John. John was defined before by a view he had, if you don't mind me saying, of his earthly father. And however good our earthly fathers are, they, they're flawed, aren't they? They do the best they can in many cases, some don't. But, but even when they do the best, they're flawed. We need to know what God says about us and how he loves us and how he is for us and how he will not let us go. And this wonderful book is filled with living promises which are powerful to transform our lives. They need to shape us. If we want to guard our hearts, we need healthy believing. Another Bill Johnson quote, Renewing our minds requires us to learn how to let his word over our lives completely cancel out our old beliefs about who we are. So when we renew our mind, the, 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 the word of God has got to completely cancel out our old beliefs of who we believed we were before. Does that make sense? It's, it's, it's a transformation. You're going to push that out and I'm going to pull in what God says about me. Even before we see it manifesting in our lives. So, so the Bible says, do you know what, Michelle, I have chosen you and, an, and appointed you to bear fruit. I have, I have chosen you to be a blessing, to see change, to see transformation. I have chosen you to be fruitful. Why? Because you've been united with Christ. That's who Michelle is. It says it in the Bible. It says that's the same for every single one of us. Now, you may feel there are seasons in your life or times when you think, oh, I'm not very fruitful. That doesn't cancel out the word of God. What the Bible says cancels out that old belief system. You see, an apple tree... Now, Brian, I'm going to need your help here. So you're awake and alert. How long does it take for an apple tree to bear apples? If you get a little apple tree and you put it in the ground. No, don't do that. Longer. Okay, it can do the same year. But, five years. Good, five years. Well done, Brian. Teaches me not to do my research, doesn't it? When I plant apple trees, <laughs> they can go many years without ever producing an apple. But is it an apple tree? Some people on the front row are convinced it is. If I plant an apple tree, but there are no apples on it, is it an apple tree or not? Yeah. It's identity. It is an apple tree, whether it's bearing fruit or not. We need to believe what the God says about us, even if we aren't seeing it in our lives yet, because the Bible says it's true. Yeah? We're not defined by tradition. We're not defined by uh, circumstance. We are not to be defined by uh, uh, traumatic events. Now, I can say this really easily. It's very, very different if you're living with that in your history. But they're not the things to define us. To define ourselves by the word of God, though, does take training. We need to remind ourselves of his promises often. 
We need to meditate on these promises. That's to ponder them. That's to mutter them to ourselves. We need to fill our minds with truth. How, how good are you at speaking out truth to other people? Not, not just to yourself inside, but actually letting words come out your mouth that you know are biblical that are going to bless other people. So you actually voice something. Why don't we have a practice? I can tell you're ready for it. I asked the heating to be turned up before I started preaching. I wonder if that was a mistake. Because I must admit, even I could lay down at the moment and have a bit of a snooze. But what I want you to do is turn to the person next to you, and I want you to say, God has appointed you to bear fruit. And if you want, try and expand it a little bit more. Try and include other people. Make sure there's no one missed out. So, There's something powerful in our words. There's something powerful when we allow the truth of God's word to actually come out in what we speak. It, it does something. It does something in us and it does something to other people. So San was saying that stuff about me. It does something on the inside. It, it does something. It's, it's important that we, we, we grow a reservoir of knowing the truth. But it isn't just limited to that. You see, when I learned to drive a car many, many years ago, I had an instructor next to me. And right the way through the driving lesson, he was giving me moment-by-moment instructions. Turn left now, turn right now, you need to slow down. He didn't send me an email two months earlier that I had to memorise and remember, oh right, okay, he wanted me to go around that round. It was a moment-by-moment interaction. And actually, if I made mistakes, he could change his instructions to help me. We have a moment-by-moment helper in the Holy Spirit. Now, we need to fill the reservoir of our hearts with God's word, but we have the Holy Spirit with us who reminds us of all truth, leads us into all truth, and will help us in every moment of every day. That's why it says in Romans 8.14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. In Galatians 5.25, it says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I pray that you will be filled afresh with the Holy Spirit and know the joy of being led by him moment by moment, not just in a Sunday meeting or at community group. Every moment of every day, you'll know his grace and his presence with you. However, There are times for every single one of us where we suffer from what I've termed broken believing. It's areas of our lives where we're just not thinking the way that God would have us think. Patterns of thinking and behaviour that are broken or blocked and don't line up with what God says about us. And they stop us being fruitful but they also provide a way for the enemy to get in and trip us up. The Bible calls them strongholds. 
And it says this in 2 Corinthians 10, 3 to 5. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. You see, we are living in a battleground. We are in a war and we need to be active in filling our hearts, guarding our hearts with wonderful truth. But there are times, and again, I'll pick on Natalie or I can pick on John, where, where what happened, something was broken in their lives last week. They had a pattern of thinking that wasn't quite lined up with what the father had, and he broke in. He broke in, and what happened? They had a change of understanding which touched their hearts. It, it soaked right into who they are. Now, when Paul here is talking about strongholds, He's thinking about a highly fortified tower in the middle of a city. It was terribly difficult to get into and it was very, very easy to defend. Just a few soldiers could defend a stronghold in the middle of a city. And until you've taken the stronghold, you haven't taken the city. You, You have to take it and you have to demolish it. That was in sort of biblical times. That's what Paul had in mind when he was talking about that. And for us, as those following Christ, we can have given our lives to Christ, but we all have different strongholds in our thinking and our believing that we need to actively take down with the grace of God, the truth of the Bible, and the anointing and empowering of the Holy Spirit. We need to tear them down. And in actual fact, I'd go as far as to say we need to build new strongholds. We need to build strongholds in the Father's love. We need to build strongholds in the fact that I'm accepted and I'm loved and I will never be let go. You see, when I have a stronghold in my thinking, I only, I see what the stronghold is. I'm not explaining it very well. When I have a stronghold in my thinking, it will only be looking for proof of what it already believes. You see, if you have a stronghold that you have been rejected, you will view so much of what goes on around you as rejection. When someone turns their back on you, they're rejecting you. When someone talks a bit harshly to you, they are rejecting you. When you don't get a promotion at work, they are are rejecting you. It's as though the stronghold looks for proof that what it is saying is true. You you see everything through that filter. And the reality is, for all of us, there are a whole load of things we're believing that aren't true. We may not know it, probably don't. But there's a whole load of different areas where we need to renew our minds. This is so big. You know, way, way, way before Paul wrote about strongholds, Israel was on the verge of entering the promised land. Two spies said, we we, we play that again, we go back to here. Right, okay. Israel on the end. Two spies said, we can do it. Ten spies said, 
if you, if you look at what the spies, the ten spies say, they say, we were like grasshoppers in their eyes. How on earth do they know that they look like grasshoppers to them? A whole nation missed out on the promise of God because ten men didn't know who they were in God, didn't know who God was or the promises God, yeah, three fingers, the promises that God had for them. This is a massive area because it affects how you live life for him. It just does. And most of the time, we're pretty unaware of it. But we have divine power to demolish strongholds. We can't do it on our own. God never wants us to do it on our own. But he is with us to help us to do it. Every lofty opinion, every argument can be demolished. It starts by taking every thought captive. So as thoughts fly into your mind, for me, first thing in the morning is the worst time. I can wake up within about 20 minutes, I'm as depressed as any old thing. Why? One thought after another has landed in my mind. I haven't taken a single one of them captive. And before I know it, that's how I'm plodding into the office. Any thought that sets itself, sets itself up against the knowledge of God, that is not in obedience to Christ, we need to take captive, we need to kick it out. Tell it to sling its hook. We need to guard our minds. We need to guard our hearts. Allowing knowledge of God and obedience to Christ to reign. Look, as I tie it up at the end, let me use a personal example. I shared back last autumn that God had set me free in the whole area of rejection. Some of you will remember me sharing that testimony. I went to a conference up in Bedford. I reveal, God revealed to me that I'd been believing a lie that I was rejected and that I was small. Now, I know I'm skinny, but it wasn't a physical thing. It was a thing to do with my mind. I viewed everyone as bigger than me. Everyone has more ability. I don't quite know what I'm doing. Um, The imposter syndrome on steroids. God set me free. But I still need to renew my mind. It's still a battle. Something's been broken. Praise God. But I need to keep fighting. With the word of God. I need to renew my mind. I need to take every thought captive. I need to keep my heart with all vigilance, for from it flows the springs of life. And I find for me what happens, and I wonder if it may be helpful for you, I find that the thief climbs in through the window of rejection and then he opens big, wide doors of discouragement. And I find one discouraging thought after another flows in through them. And they rarely come in one. I normally get express train loads. They're like carriages of discouragement that one is attached to the next, is attached to the next. And if in my mind I sort one out, I find, oh dear, another carriage has just come through. Completely different issue. But all of it 
is linked rejection and discouragement. We need to identify the lie that we've been believing by finding out what God says is true. I hold up the perfect truth of the Word of God. I ask the Holy Spirit to come and search my heart and reveal where what I'm believing is not lining up with the Word of God and then I take it to him. I want to encourage you Church, I may run over just by a couple of minutes, and if children come in, don't let it distract you. This is my, this is my diary, um, my notebook for 2015. I write in there what God says to me. I write Bible verses that God is speaking over me. I look at them, I mull them over, I pray them into being. I want to encourage you, a new week resolution, go get a notebook, Start writing in there what God starts speaking to you as you pray to him because it will give you strength. It will help you to guard your heart. I've got two examples here of um, a helpful tool that will help you to demolish strongholds in your thinking. So the front one, which is my one, one I've, I've got, I've identified a lie that I'm rejected, small, and will achieve nothing. And then there's a whole load of Bible truth, promises from God that say something completely different because that's not true of what God says for me. And there's a prayer I can pray. And, and we need to do this daily. It might be you see no apples on the tree for three, four, five weeks but you will do as you keep going through it. On the other side, there's an example, and it's taken from the Freedom in Christ Discipleship course, of the lie, a lie that overeating brings lasting comfort. And there's truth from the Word of God here that will debunk that lie as we look to get free. Now, for you, there may be other areas, but there are two examples here that you can take away and then you can edit it for you. If we're going to learn to strengthen ourselves in God, we need to learn how to guard our hearts. We need to fill our minds and our hearts with the wonderful truth of who, what God says over us. We need to demolish strongholds. All of these things are things where we need to be active under the anointing and empowering of the Holy Spirit. Amen. He's provided everything we need for life and godliness, but we have a part to play.